I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Here I am once again for another episode and yes, you've guessed it, it's another conversation episode. I teased at the beginning of this summer season that we had some fantastic episodes lined up for this series and this one is absolutely delivering once again. And today's guest is Dean Cross. Dean is the Senior Content Manager at View Entertainment. He's worked at View for 17 years, starting off as a cinema manager, going on to be an operations manager, film buyer, and now is the Senior Content Manager, having done that role for eight and a half years. This was a very exciting conversation to line up. I was invited down to the View Cinema in Shepherd's Bush in London. It's one of their flagship cinemas in London. A lot of huge screens in which one of them was booked out. Me and Dean sat down, had a conversation, really dug into cinema film. It was a really exciting and passionate conversation talking about film and cinema. And I love chatting to people in the industry, especially Dean, who you can tell just loves what he does and loves talking about film and cinema. And that energy really comes across in this conversation. And of course, View. I'm sure... All of you have been to a View Cinema at some point. They're one of the three largest cinema chains in the UK. Over 91 cinemas across the UK with over 870 screens. There's the big stats there, but I'm sure at some point in your cinema life, you will have popped into a View at least once to go and watch a film. They've got some huge cinemas across the UK, some IMAX screens, a lot of uh, great setups they've got there. I've been to View plenty of times and a lot of formative cinema experiences there. So it was great to actually get invited down to their Shepherd's Bush flagship cinema, get a whole screen books out and really dig into a conversation with Dean about film and everything around it. As I said, Dean's unbelievably passionate about film and this just shows that he's been at View for 17 years fulfilling different roles but now being really involved with the booking of films speaking with the production studios working with the team at view to lay out the strategy of screening the films across the uk and deciding what goes on what goes on at what times and the different films that they show and we get into that and this episode really shares some amazing insights i went into this conversation of course excited to speak to dean and hear what he had to say and meet someone who's at the heart of the industry especially with such a big cinema chain as view but there were so many insights that he shared which i'm sure you'll find really valuable about how much view are involved in the filmmaking process how they decide what films go on all the thought and the insight that goes into that and that process that you don't necessarily think about from conception of the film to release viewer there all the way through not just at the end screening the films and obviously you'll hear from him a lot more about that but it was exciting to go and meet him but then find all of these extra insights and sat there in this huge screen interview cinema as I said I've been to loads over the years to watch films and have those great experiences but to be in there and chatting about film with someone who's right at the heart of the industry was amazing so a big thank you to both Dean and View for being so hospitable and inviting me down and having such a great conversation about all of those topics and much like the earlier episode that I released my conversation with Damien Spanley at Curzon I'm sure you'll all be fascinated about the insights that Dean has to share about the industry. Us as film and cinema lovers obviously go to these cinemas and really enjoy what they put on and enjoy the films when we go away and discuss these films, but don't necessarily get that peek behind the curtain that people like Dean and previously my conversation with Damien at Curzon can offer us. So I would say absolutely soak this in, enjoy it. It was fantastic for me to be there speaking to him and giving all these insights. But I know you guys are going to love this as well because it absolutely fascinated me as a film lover. So drink it in. Enjoy it. I'm sure you'll hear the passion from Dean about his love of film and the job that he fulfilled. Films. I was quite jealous at the end for everything that he gets to do on a day-to-day basis. It was a fantastic setting at Shepherd's Bush. He had a he had a very warm welcome there as he used to manage that cinema as well. I had a very warm welcome. As I said, everyone at View and Dean was very welcoming to invite me in and give me so much time and space to have this fantastic conversation. 
But that's enough from me. I've teased it enough. There's plenty to go on to listen to now. And this was a really exciting one. Again, been loving having these deep conversations about everything related to cinema and film. But let's have a listen and see what Dean had to say for himself and share with me. Here's my conversation with Dean Cross. Hey, Dean. Thank you for having me here at VIEW. Thanks for inviting me in for a chat. It's been something I've been looking forward to, to find out a bit about your role here, involvement in the industry, but also your passion about film as well. So thank you for inviting me along, first of all. Thank you for inviting me. I'm uh, very happy to do it. No, uh, absolutely. Uh, But I just wanted to start off as well, just to learn a bit more about your role. Mm -hmm. For people who are film fans, film lovers, they don't necessarily get to peek behind the curtain of the film world and industry and see how it all goes on. So they might not necessarily know what your role is and and what you do behind the scenes. So could you just give us a little bit of an overview of what you do here at VIEW? Yes. So um, I'm the uh, senior screen content manager for VIEW. Um, uh, It's more commonly known as a film bar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I mean, as a, in a nutshell, as an overview is, is uh, me and the rest of the team, we are responsible for, um, we see the films uh, and we kind of almost uh, put a value on the films as it were. So if we, from the moment a film is announced or um, uh, it is a, a, a studio says, oh, we're making the next Steven Spielberg film, uh, it's gonna be released in 2026. We start thinking, okay, okay it's a Steven Spielberg film, you know what? What's the range of comp titles for that film? What's that going to make? And then the more we learn about a film, the more we uh, adjust. My laptop just went off. The that's, all right, oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, the more we learn about the films, the more we uh, adjust that uh, model. So it could be that uh, casting is announced, yeah. or it could be that um, there's uh, delays in shoots. It could mm-hmm. be that um, a very famous scriptwriter's come on board, and then it goes on to we see, you know, see the, uh, we see some footage from the studios. They'll want to you know show us as much uh, mm-hmm. as possible to get us on board. Then we'll see the trailer. We might do a set visit. Uh, sometimes we do a set visit, uh, and then ultimately we end up seeing the film, and that can be anywhere between um, sometimes up to o- over a year before uh, its theatrical release or up to uh, sometimes only a week or two before release. Um, Armed with all that information, we feed back to the film studio our personal thoughts, how much we think the film is going to make. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we kind of think about is uh, how long the film is going to play in our cinemas, where geographically uh, it's going to play well, where, where it may not play well. And this in turn trickles down to things like how much stock uh, our uh, retail department uh, orders in for that week, okay. or how many staff hours uh, the cinemas have to play with that week, because it will all be based on our forecast uh, of the film. So, I mean, in a, in a very, there's a lot more to it than that, but in a nutshell, that's, that's kind of uh, the gist of what we yeah. do. Yeah, so what's the studio looking to get from you then when they preview? And are they essentially trying to show you how successful this film can be and get as much uh, screen time from you and backing as possible. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it obviously works both ways. But absolutely, they 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 want genuine feedback as well from us okay. as well. They they value our feedback as well. So, um, and obviously, it, it's not just me. Someone does my job for um, other cinema chains as well. So, you know, um, they'll get they'll get six or seven uh, people's opinion. And obviously, if that varies wildly, you know, mm-hmm. they've got to kind of get into the weeds of that and find out why that is. And there'll be, or it could be that seven or eight people come back and say. Um, we don't think you've got what you've got here. We don't okay. think it's this. It's this film. So they they may adjust their their marketing campaign uh, based on that. They, they there's lots of things and variables that they'll adjust as well. So it is a, it is a two way street. Or we, or they're trying to show it off that they really want us to see it because they we might be a bit down on it. We mm-hmm. and they want to convince us that it's a, a bigger property than it is. So there's a whole process in that build up to the film being yep. produced alongside partnering with the cinema than yep. just. Oh, we're going to release this yeah. in a few months. Yeah, please put it on your screen. Yeah, no, we we we're not, we're involved. I imagine probably a lot earlier than a lot of people think in terms of when the studios come to us and they say, "Oh, you you are aware of this film." You know, they'll do a slate day or they'll do something like that, yeah. or they'll say, "We want to make you aware of this if you're not already aware of it." Mm-hmm. Uh, this is you know, this is how we're thinking about this uh, in terms of how much money it's going to make and. Yeah, so it's it's not like you say. It's not a case of oh, here's the film. Yeah. Uh, like, like shortly before release, we 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 kind of have to be on board uh, as early as possible. Okay, that's pretty fascinating. As I, said, I as I would imagine, as most people would see it as that kind of closest to the release cinema coming on board and uh, getting involved. Then, all right, well, we'll pick back up kind of in your role a bit a, a little bit later. But mm-hmm. first, I just wanted to ask. You've been in the industry for a long time, doing a lot of different roles and and been at View for a, a long time. But what was your initial draw to the 
film industry to film itself like where did that passion come from and then lead to you wanting to work in the industry um so i mean my earliest memory so um i was nine years old probably i said yeah nine years old and my nan um uh, shirley cross she'll if i don't mention her by name she'll hate (laughs) it my nan uh she um said we're going to go to the cinema and i'd never been to the cinema before nine Mm -hmm. years old i didn't and i didn't know what it was um, and I remember being like, a bit scared, oh, what, what, what's going to happen? Is, is there going to be people there? Like, you know, when the lights go off, you know, it was all that kind of thing of the unknown. And I was too scared to ask. I, was, I didn't want to say to my, um, I don't really know what's going to happen. Or, you know, I, I, I genuinely had no real frame of reference by that point. I may have been to the cinema before then, when I, um, but I just, for whatever reason, I didn't remember. This was like the earliest memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit as the first film nice. I ever saw at the cinema. Great film. Great film. <laughs> and I remember just being absolutely blown away. Yeah. Like it just, and I knew, it, I knew then that just something just clicked. It was the excitement of it. It was just, you know, all the people in one space together, yeah. laughing together, you know, cheering, um, that collective experience. Um, and I just remember just being uh, just completely bowled over by it. Um, and I just wanted to go again and again and again. And, and, and my nan, uh, it had been that, that constant influence. Right? She, she has a love of film as well. And she, she took me again to my second film and stuff like that. So it kind of built from there. But it, it, it was that thing of where when the lights go down and you're, and you're transported to wherever and you just completely lose yourself from, from everything else that's going on outside. Mm-hmm. And, and then it kind of developed from there. And I, when, I, when, I, when I was growing up, I always knew... Uh, for a while, I thought I was going to be an actor. <laughs> Man, that didn't. Everyone uh, has the dream at some yeah, point. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. I know did like theatre, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm actually much cop at this. <laughs> um, but I knew I wanted to do something connected to this world, um, and and you know, I just had an absolute passion. Every single penny, a spare penny that I had, would go on buying a film, mm-hmm. uh, whether that be a classic or a new film. So I, I just wanted to learn as much as possible. I wanted to experience as much. And then, you know, as cinema experience grew, I, I kind of was more drawn to cinema, right. uh, you know, yeah. a, 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 as per se. Um, and I just, there's some key moments, like, you know, there's just things you don't forget, like um, seeing the T-Rex for the first time in Jurassic Park. Okay. Yeah, I'm old enough to remember the first time, not not, <laughs> not in one of the many re-releases. Yeah. Um, and that, that was it, I just, I, I, I got hooked on that feeling, mm-hmm. that, that feeling you get when you go to cinema. So at my earliest opportunity, I always steeped work. So I worked in um, Blockbusters, nice. when Blockbusters was around. Yeah. I, I was a manager for Blockbusters. Uh, and it just kind of just carried on from there. I, I worked at a retail chain that no longer exists anymore called Silver Screen. And then I eventually found my way to View, uh, where I started as a manager. Um, which was great in a cinema and it just kind of built from there and you know thankfully uh, the uh, people at the head office obviously picked up on my passion for film stuff like that so eventually I made my way to the team that I'm in now so yeah fantastic so it was very much a you knew early on there was something in yep. the film industry that you wanted to be part of yeah absolutely I love that story as well like you said being captivated by cinema itself and this is something that when I chat to people about film and other people are passionate about it, there's always passion there for people who are in the industry or are just yeah. interested in film. And that kind of drives always exciting conversation with people who want to go and do stuff. And the fact that you said it was specifically a cinema experience that kind of got you into it. But kind of thinking about that now in modern cinema, what for you is a attractive cinema experience? What is it that you think you want to give to people? And what is it you like personally when you go to the cinema that actually keeps you there and, and it attracts you to the whole film and the experience of it? I mean, I still don't think it's changed that much. I think, if anything, it's the world's become so much louder and busier since since that first yeah. connection. When yeah. I, was with it. I think the escapism of it is <laughs> it's brilliant. If you can go somewhere and turn your phone off and turn it off and, and escape for a few hours and whatever's going on in your life, um, but obviously, you know, the experience itself, it's, it's just social interaction as well. And it, 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 being a collective experience with a group of people, you know, people you don't know, but there is that sense when you're in the cinema mm-hmm. of you're all in this together, you're all on board, you're all here to see the same film, yeah. you're going to laugh at the same time, you, you, you may all collectively hate it, you know, <laughs> and, and, and laugh at it because it's uh, ridiculous. Um, so I don't think it's changed that much. But in terms of like modern, I really am kind of... Um, a, a stickler for anything that's a bit modern uh, technology-wise or anything like that. So anytime, anytime something new comes along mm-hmm. that, that enhances the cinema experience. So 
uh, uh, obviously, 3D has been around for ages, but when it comes back in, a, it comes back in a big way every now yeah. and then. In waves, yeah. you get an avatar, or you get uh, the higher frame rate, or yeah. uh, 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 Lord of the Rings, or the Hobbit films, and stuff like that. So, and, uh, any any kind of Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos, um, anything that kind of makes you fall in love again with mm -hmm. it, or, or and it could be something or quite simple that. Um, uh, there is a big thing at the moment. Uh, there are films that I've never seen at the cinema. So having a, a, an experience, a film that I've seen a hundred times, uh, but then going to see it for the first time yeah, in the cinema. Yeah, of course. You know, and that's just brilliant. So uh, we may well talk about it later on, but part of the, uh, one of the things, one of my jobs is to look at uh, back on the big screen season and we look at films, anniversary titles that have not been on for a while and we select those and play them in venues where, you know, People may not have seen Casablanca on the big screen, you know, mm -hmm. and they can go and watch watch it as it was supposed to be. But then using new technology, like it's uh, restored uh, to 4K, right. you know. So I, I think that's the new for me. The new pool is 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 anything that's kind of cutting edge, or you know, I get to experience something that I haven't experienced before. Mm -hmm. And I fully appreciate that and what you're saying, watching a classic as well. I had a, a, an experience in The View in Manchester when it was the anniversary of 2001 Space Odyssey. And that is actually a, absolutely a film to watch in the cinema. Um, and I'd never seen it before then. And it was like, okay, this is a yeah. moment and only on for a limited period of time. And I fully get that in that sense. But as you said, it is, there's the idea of experience that, that will always be there people wanting to connect with something, but the idea of like new technologies and advancement, yeah. I kind of like that because there's always, always be a new frontier yeah, to cross and get into. In terms of your own preference of film, do you have a certain genre that you love? And also, do you have to kind of put that aside a bit in your your professional judgment of, of films? Um, I've, I have to be an all-rounder, obviously, for my yeah. job, you know, but, uh, and, but I am genuinely uh, probably an all-rounder. <laughs> I have a... I have a tendency to uh, skew a bit more horror. Okay. Uh, but it's not like um, it's not like a, a massive passion. But it is kind. Of, I do appreciate a good or or even a bad horror. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes a bad horror is better than a good horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I am I'm partial to the odd musical as well. But uh, generally speaking, I kind of need to be an all rounder. But I kind of, of am. I don't. I don't. Uh, as part of the job, and um, one of the things is is that I need to think. Okay, um, my opinion kind of doesn't matter. What, what what I would normally do when I feed back to a studio on a film, mm -hmm. as I would give my personal opinion, then I give my commercial opinion. Okay, I could be sat watching a film and thirty minutes in realize that I personally it's not for me. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. But then I have to start thinking. Well, who is it for? Which of our customers and which of our cinemas is this for? Where is it going to play well? Um, who is going to see this? Well, you know, and that kind of thing. So. Um, I, I I do I am like a genuine all round. I'd say I'd say that if you wanted to go a least favorite, I'm not that fond of war films. Okay. Uh, I find them slightly repetitive. Yeah. But but, but if I'm going to skew to a genre, um, it's probably horror. Okay, well, that's good to know. And as you said, you kind of have to be an all rounder, you? And I suppose that you kind of would get moulded to that anyway because you'll have watched a lot of films over the years. Yep. So forced to watch stuff that you might not previously yep. and then obviously realising there's great films in yep. all genres. So in terms of that process of actually programming, of uh, managing content and thinking about that, what specifically or what areas do you have to consider when you are um, assessing that beyond, obviously, you said you've got to put your personal opinion slightly aside mm -hmm. but what are the elements that you've got to consider for the cinema as, as a whole um, when you are selecting that and discussing it uh, so we, we we kind of um the best thing about film is, is there's always a although there are original films out there there's always films that are very much like other films so you, you have a baseline of a comp title yeah. or that kind of thing so we have like years and years of data about how how like minded or certain films that like that play mm -hmm. so we can always look at uh, that to see wh where um, ge geographically it's going to work well so you know uh, a Ken Loach uh, uh, film we know where, they're, where they're the strong pockets of that uh, yeah. are, are, are going to be um, so some of those things are, are, are no-brainers so, but some of the other things we've got to think about is um, is there a fatigue at the moment for that genre you know, it's it horror and comedy um, kind of peak and trough quite a bit. Right. You know, so when there's a strong run of, run of comedies, um, it becomes oversaturated. Yeah. You know, so so you've got to kind of keep that in mind as well. So when you're watching a film, you say, like, okay, 
um, what of the other eight comedies that have been around in the last six months are the same thing? How does it play uh, with, with those? You know, where does it rank? I was like judging those? when that's going to peak. And yeah, then, yeah, okay. and, and also where does it rank on those? You know, yeah. is it too samey? Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, and it's 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 also about a, like a franchise fatigue. Could be something else. You need to, you know, where does it rank in a franchise in terms of the quality of it? Um, and what is also important is it's very important. What we think about as well is you can market a really bad film to do well right. as well, you know. And in, equally, in turn, there are some brilliant films that don't make money at the box office. Mm -hmm. So how accessible is this film? It may be brilliant. This film might be, I might be recommending this film to all of my friends and you must go and see it. But really, how accessible is the, is the subject matter of that okay, film? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, a recent example um, is um, I absolutely adored Babylon. Okay. Um, I, thought yeah, it was I thought it was absolutely brilliant, I, for me personally. But for whatever reason, uh, it, it didn't seem to find an audience or connect with an audience. Um, and that's kind of something we need to keep in the back of our mind as well. Like, it's, it's all well and good, the film's great, but uh, is it going to connect, is it going to find an audience? And the reverse of it as well. Mm -hmm. The film could be terrible, but there are certain marketing campaigns uh, on films that, that pr push a film beyond what it should make at the box office. Uh, or it could be news uh, stuff that's happening in the news. So cultural uh, events, you know, okay. as well. They have an effect on, can have an effect on how well a, a film's going to play out because it might be a hot topic at the moment. Again, it could be a terrible film, but it could really be a hot topic, a conversation at the moment, mm -hmm. or it could be something that's really on trend, et cetera. So, it, it's not as it's not kind of forgot the art question now, but it's not <laughs> it's not as KSC, but simply going in, like, is that film good? Is that film bad? Yeah, you know there is there's lots of different factors to it. So on a very like practical level, like you and your team, week by week, what's the process yeah. of going on? And say, okay, what's going to be on in the next week, for example? Yeah. Like how far out are you planning that, and how do you judge across the country how that is spread and, and played out? So we plan, uh, this, uh, there's two parts to that question. We plan, um, normally we forecast uh, for, for a year, financial mm -hmm. year, but then we're always looking beyond to the films before. So when, so for example, we know for the next, uh, from next year, from the next six Christmases, there's either going to be an Avatar film at Christmas or a Star Wars film at of Christmas. Course. So we know that. So we know roughly that there is X amount of box office at those Christmas times of that. Um, well, that'll come more into focus for us the closer we get to it. But we are looking at that. That's that's kind of uh, how far ahead we are looking because right. we're aware of that, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you get to the more, uh, I'd say, that you have short term and medium term. Medium term would be what's happening in the next 12, 12 months or so. Um, and we're looking at, we constantly review um, how the market uh, is is currently performing and what that means for the future as well mm -hmm. but also um, when films change dates so it's also about what else is playing in the market at the same time as well so as soon as a, a date changes so if film a comes off a date and goes on to the same date as film b and you have two films fighting for an audience right. all of a sudden both of them may not be able to make the same amount of money that you thought initially because they may ha they may halve uh, their, their audience because people might have to choose on one of them right okay yeah, yeah. um it, when it's a congested market like that, then you have, you have to factor that in as well. In terms of, um, we have a weekly meeting where we will sit down and discuss the films for the following week or the following two weeks or any films we've seen that week. Um, so each week we review that and whether or not we're going to change what our forecast is in the film based on that. Um, but in the more immediate, um, you know, on a week-by-week on week basis, we use a scheduling tool. Um, so uh, lots of, uh, different film uh, cinema chains in the UK um, book their cinemas in a different way. Mm -hmm. We currently use um, a uh, AI, or um, uh, it's called well, we call it Opera um, or uh, EBS, uh, but it's um, it's essentially it has got years and years and years of data uh, going back for every single one of our cinemas. Wow, okay. That is genre specific, and it can go down to the to the five five minutes when. Either way, the best time to play a film on a certain day. Wow, okay. Bear in mind the other stuff is in the market. Yeah, so yeah. we feed it all our information, our expectations. So it's not it's not just something a case of that we push a button and it pops out. It's all it's all our own input into it. How much we think our market share on that film will be. Um, 
uh, our expectations on the film on, on, on box office uh, and what our comp titles are. So mm -hmm. most, most importantly, what are the three to six films we think this film is going to place most similar to? Mm -hmm. And then we add in any variables on that. We can, we can basically, we can, what we, it, it runs everything off what we tell it, but then what it does, which we can't do, is produce a schedule yeah. that is specific to each cinema, to each day part, to each uh, so each day of the week, to by the hour, by the minute. And is this why you have quite specific timings on on films because it's playing against how the other films are yeah, going? Yeah, absolutely. And it will determine what screen it should go in. So it could be that at that time of day, it needs more seats. That film A needs more seats than film B. Okay. And so it flips it around. So what you'll see maybe from some of our competitors or um, is a very linear schedule. Mm -hmm. Every day of the week, film A will play at 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock, mm -hmm. every day. What you'll see on ours is one day you might see that you might want to go and see it on Tuesday and it's playing at 7.30 in the evening, but on uh, Thursday it's playing at 8.15. Okay. Uh, or it's playing, so it could change each day. Um, it also enables us as well to make sure that every film gets uh, its the most optimum um, position in the schedule. Uh, and it's just not that, that, that we're playing everything at the same time every day in a linear fashion. It, it literally can optimize the whole schedule um, to, to great, really great effect as well. And we've had, you know, from um, customers and industry, we've had lots of positive feedback on it. Um, so, yeah, so that's like the very short term of the process. Yeah, and that's fascinating to think, especially when there's so much data, you think historically, as you mentioned there, both film, attendance, screen, things like that, that, that can all be taken into consideration for yeah. that. Um, but yeah, no, that's very interesting. So in terms of like, locality and specific cinemas, mm -hmm. how much thought then goes into what films you are programming for certain areas and certain audiences, whether you tweak that um, accordingly, whether it be geographically or the specific cinema that you're um, looking to show it at? Well, I mean, uh, in terms of uh, geographically, so we, we, we would sometimes only specifically place films in certain sites that we know that they're going to play yeah. at. So you do get, I mean, bear in mind, we, we watch, someone from our team generally has to watch every film that's going to be released in the UK. <laughs> uh, not an easy task and, not, and you know, that some of the times that means watching them um, at home. So some people will give us a screener to watch at home rather than go and watch at the cinema because we just don't have time to do that. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those films will have geographical bias. Uh, there was a film, and I, I don't recall the name of it, but it was, um, it was set in and around Stroud uh, Cinema. Oh, it was a really good film as well, and I really annoyed but I can't think of the name now. But it, it was very local to that area, and it was very, you know, this film, it was filmed in that area, the writer, the director, you know, it was all from that area, mm -hmm. uh, there in the country. So we, we played it around that area, because um, we knew that it would be taking screen space up in, if we played it in Edinburgh or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Despite how great the film was, it was, it was the, the, the crux of the film was based on that, uh, on that geographical location. Um, so, you know, it, you can say for uh, your Marvel films, for example, your big blockbusters, it doesn't matter. We're going to play those everywhere. Course, that, that's, yeah. that's not, that's a given. But you are going to look at what, what the, um, the demographic of the audience is as well. So uh, a Wes Anderson film, um, and this will be in partnership with the studio because the studio won't want to oversaturate that as well. They'll be keen to play it in their strongest locations in each city or town. Yeah. We know that that's going to do very well in these 41 of our cinemas. Mm -hmm. We know it's not going to do very well in these 50 cinemas. It's not that we wouldn't want to play it there and we would want to give it a chance, um, but some films you do have to play to your strengths and where, it, where it's going to play well. Because also that, by playing a film like that that you know historically the data shows and the studio agrees with you, the, um, you know, the, that, that site may not be right for the film, you're taking off something that probably is yeah, right. Okay. And so, you know, there's there only so many, so many hours in a day yeah. that you can show films. So it's that trade-off. Um, and we don't always agree on it with the studio. Sometimes they'll want to go a bit tighter than, and we'll say, no, we feel like we should have more representation here. And the other way around as well, um, that they, 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 they may want to push it in some cinemas. And then, okay, we'd say, okay, we'll, we'll help you out. We'll, we'll give you a chance with those because we want to, you know, we want to push we want as much um, different content as possible in all of our of cinemas. Course, yeah. You know, it just has to make commercial sense. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's kind of what we look at and that's what we target. In terms of wider content, 
at a few, so it's not just films that you show. And mm-hmm. there's been a, a real good run recently across a lot of cinemas of the um, live uh, recordings Absolutely, of yeah. uh, theatre performances. Um, you've been involved with esports in the past and you put a lot of events on as well. What is the spread like across cinemas? What else is it that you offer and what are you looking to create by putting these different forms of content on out of you? Um, so uh, the, um, that part of the, um, our content is headed up by my colleague Rachel, um, who uh, works in partnership with uh, a guy called Johnny, who is um, head of the group part of that. And their job essentially is to go out and find this content. Okay. This, 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 uh, basically anything that's not a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this market is just growing and growing and growing and has been for years. And there's been some fantastic results. And the aim is, is to get, you know, it's entertainment in every form. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got this massive screen here. Uh, and yes, it's great to show films on it. And as much as mer- this, mer- but, you know, live theatre, uh, direct from the West End. Okay, not everyone can come down to the West End to watch live theatre. You know, uh, so by putting that on and, and uh, around the country, yeah. you know, you're giving people the opportunity to see something they probably wouldn't have seen before mm. in a great environment, in a great social environment, you know. And again, if you think about it, um, it going back to what I was saying, theatre as, as one example um, is about as immersive you get. When you have a live audience, when you go and see a show, you go and see something, you clap, you know, clap along and stuff yeah. like that. It, it's, it's arguably, it's meant to be seen like that. Yeah, and seeing it with, a, a, it, they kind of go hand in hand together. Um, but that kind of spreads to like concerts as well. Um, sold out concerts. Uh, the most recent one we did was uh, the BTS. Well, I've, we've probably done some since, but the ones that stick out, the BTS farewell tour and stuff like that. We have set out screens. We have multiple screens in venues uh, f- for that. Um, Royal uh, Royal Opera House. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do National Theatre. We do, um, I say, concerts, sports. Uh, we did um, the uh, World Cup. Uh, right, okay. we, we showed uh, matches from the World Cup. Cup. I need to check that because it was the World Cup, yeah. I said so because I was thinking it wasn't the Euros. May have been the Euros as well, but we're showing the Champions League games as well. Okay. Um, this past a couple of weeks ago, we showed the Eurovision. Yes, it uh, is. the Eurovision final, which um, for something that was new uh, that we hadn't done before and that we really chased to, to do that as well. It wasn't uh, it wasn't e- an easy give. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just what a great atmosphere to come and you know if you can't go to Liverpool. Uh, and watch it, and you don't want to watch it at home, or you want to watch an app, it, it, you know, in a big screen environment. Um, so yeah, so these guys really are chasing content and and stuff that's sometimes a little bit out of the box. Like you say, the esports stuff we did um, at our cinema in Fulham was t- is turned into a, an esports arena, mm-hmm. one of the screens is an esports arena, um, and it is about that thing about a, a, you know, cinema is one form of entertainment that that's like a. a, a a social gathering, uh, you know, of people and stuff like that. It's like a, cl- a collective experience, but what else is there? And mm-hmm. it can you naturally go to things like theatre, opera, concerts, um, sports events, that kind of thing. And you've got some of the best viewing spaces in the country, acoustically, seat-wise, screen-wise, as you said. So, um, yeah, I love that idea and the development of that, of having other events in there. But how do you then judge that as... Um, like planning that process because obviously film is one thing and booking the films and planning that and then the audience kind of takes care of themselves of go and sit and watch the film yep. but when you're setting up an event where there's almost party atmosphere to it do you then have to think how we present or kind of sell this event slightly differently to a, a film would uh yeah absolutely i i think so um there's a lot of social interaction around it as well. Our market and our web team do a lot of stuff around that, selling that point as well. So mm-hmm. with the Eurasian thing, we were uh, looking into um, doing uh, online voting, like, right. you know, while you were, while you were in the screen. Yeah. Um, also, you know, you're, you're encouraged to be, have more of a party atmosphere. The BTS uh, concert that I mentioned, we, uh, everyone had glow sticks and nice. stuff like that. Okay. So it, it, it is, we, we, we do try and really get those people to be more involved in, in that aspect of it. Um, and you know, make it more of a different experience to film, like you say, the, the separating the two. And they're both booked in a similar fashion as well. So um, we wouldn't necessarily, like we would in film, play do a certain event everywhere. It's all targeted local, um, you know, where where we believe stuff's going to work. 
And it's a lot of it's trial and error as well. I mean, we've been doing this view, I've been doing this for a, a long time. It's, again, I'd say longer than uh, a lot of our competitors and, and we're really kind of were the driving force behind it. And it, uh, you know, a lot of our competitors are, are now on board and, and, and paying catch up. And so we've had a lot of trial and error of knowing what works and what doesn't work um, and how to get those customers um, to keep coming back to us and to, uh, you know, just like kind of experience these these things in a, in a different way. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. And I said it completely makes sense in terms of the spaces and, and the audience you've got. Just moving on, looking at a bit more of the, the future of cinema now. Obviously, streaming's played a huge part in the industry over the last five, ten years and increasingly so. How do you, as someone looking at content as a cinema, manage that and think of how do we keep attracting people to come to the cinema when there's this big challenge from streaming platforms? Um, again, I feel I feel like obviously, uh, uh, I said a bit like a broken record, but it is about that collective experience. It yeah. is about that 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 you, you with this with the streaming service. I think there's a world. Personally, I think there is a world where every, everyone can coexist. Mm -hmm. There's a big enough market for all these things. Um, we're looking at what could be a record-breaking uh, summer, or certainly um, of recent years, definitely, coming up with content that is not going straight to streaming, that is having a period of theatrical-only yeah. uh, release where we are talking to the studios uh, and you know we are working in partnership together or, or actively encouraging uh, something that's beneficial to both both parties, yeah. you know, streaming and that, and that um, it isn't going to go away now. It's obviously the, the pandemic uh, became a thing when cinemas were shut. Well, they had to go somewhere, and you know that's that's where streaming really excelled. What we're seeing is is now that the as we move further and further away from the pandemic, and, and more people are coming out, that people are coming back to the cinema. People are you know coming back for that experience. You've only got to look at the last couple of years uh, Top Gun uh, yeah. Maverick you know one of the biggest huge films of all time um, Mario Super Mario Brothers uh, movie that just opened will be will finish up being the um, uh, someone will correct me on this but <laughs> it's going to be the third biggest animated fourth biggest animated film of all time behind both Taurus stories and Incredibles so it'll be the fourth biggest okay, and this is all yeah and this is all and, and obviously those films are still going to streaming platforms, you yeah. know. So it's it's not like those films have, have uh, are, are not eventually going to streaming platforms. They are still going there. But it's it's kind of about as long as people feel the need to come out and um, have that experience. Because as as great as watching a film at home is, nothing can compete with watching a film in the cinema. And you know, View have really invested heavily in. Uh, going back to what I was saying, the, the technology that we use in our screens, making uh, the environment as comfortable as possible. Uh, we've, we're, uh, we use our recliner seating um, in a lot of our sites. We're very price conscious. I mean, again, um, going out, uh, it's still, you know, in, in times of uh, austerity and, and, and as we are at the moment, we, you know, when there's a cost of living crisis, um, Going to the cinema is still one of the cheapest things that you can kind of do, yeah. you know, yeah. as collectively uh, as, as opposed to like going to like a theme park or you know something like that or the theatre or. Um, so it's still it's still it's still a treat. It's still seen as something nice and uh, for the family to do, and we've really invested in uh, how we present our films as well, from our offer of retail selection um, to our seating with our recliner seatings um, to how we price our cinemas, um, you know, so. Some of our cinemas uh, in certain areas of the country, you can all fil uh, form all films every day from four ninety nine uh, a seat. You know, depending yeah. on where you want to sit in the cinema. Mm -hmm. If you, if you're if you're conscious of um, costs at the moment, then there's a, a seat for you. If you've got a bit more money to spend, or you want a, a better a you know a seat slap bang in the middle with one of our big VIP seats, then there's that as well. So, I, I think that there is a world for both streaming and, and cinema to exist together. And I think we're currently finding that now. I think we're in a, in a really, really good place. And as I say, the, the, the studios uh, are keen to work with us on that. And it's not uh, a negative thing. Yeah. As you said, I'll come back down to that experience again. It's something yeah. that you can't replicate in any other environment. And as long as the content continues to be strong and yep. the setup does, then it's something that people still will want because that's the only way you can get it. Obviously, you watch a lot of films and have watched a lot of films over the, over the years, so you have quite a good 
insight and a handle on where the industry is going and styles of film and British film has been very successful in recent years and um, big studios and, and big budgets. Where do you see that going in the future? Do you see a trend towards certain styles of films, but you also see growth in the British film industry in terms of production? Um, I mean, I think I think you can't really hit, hit now. I think that the British film industry has been amazing, in, in you know, and um, I I don't. In terms of, I think there is massive investment in the British film industry, and I think that because of that, it can only continue going one way. Yeah. Um, the big Hollywood blockbuster is always going to be around. That's that's kind of it's kind of a staple of the cinema. It's yeah. it's, it's 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 that it's that thing where um, for your for your big Marvel film, your big comic film, that, that the cinema is is a great place to watch it as well. Um, but I, I feel like there is a sp there is a place for ev every film of every genre of every size mm -hmm. uh, in the cinema. And I think that, again, personally, I, I feel and I hope that it doesn't become that industry where it is just the big blockbuster films. Like we really want a diverse slate of films uh, to play for all, for all genres, for all customers. Um, what, we are work what we are doing um, and is kind of like my, uh, my little baby, as it were, is we're working in partnership with the uh, British Film Institute, BFI. Okay. Um, and we work very closely with them on a program called um, BFI Presents. So, uh, not necessarily British films, but uh, but hand-picked films yeah. uh, that may have got missed or may not have been seen um, across the country. And we play at every single one of our venues um, uh, once a month, actually twice a month. Now we've we've increased it twice a month, and it is one of those it's, it's one of those kind of films. That we look, we look for films that are uh, diverse, covering a range of subjects that again. May, uh, that would not necessarily maybe called mainstream, uh, but also particularly that that may have been overlooked of playing in those venues. Going back to what I was saying before about uh, we may think that geographically this film is not correct for that cinema. On this program, we're saying doesn't matter. We want to play even even if two or three people come and see that film because they but they wouldn't have got to see that any uh, otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, then they come and see it, and then we build an audience for that. So by doing that regularly, and you you get that fan base, uh, you get a core base of customers that will then start thinking, oh, wait a minute, there are films that I want to see. I, I might not want to see that big Hollywood blockbuster, yeah. but viewers showing these, these smaller films or these more independent-minded films or these films that uh, I probably wouldn't have seen, and I'll keep going back and I'll keep looking out for the next one. Um, and hopefully that will you know, grow that market and, and gr grow that well, awareness, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. That. all about having that balance and but trying yeah. to introduce other areas to people who might not necessarily... Yes. I've dived in for that. One thing I did want to ask before, I, I, I forgot, but in terms of your film watching schedule, right? <laughs> yeah. How much, and obviously you've uh, developed roles over the years, but in terms of a week, do you personally have to watch a lot of films? Or is there a more, is, do you have to get involved in the kind of strategic side of analysing how the film's going to do? Or is it a bit of a mix? It's a bit of a mix. Everyone assumes, all my friends, everyone assumes I've seen every film. Okay. And it kind of gets, cause, but then equally, because I've seen a lot of films, like just now, the, uh, the film, the name of the film that I forgot, because I've seen a lot of films, I really just, like my brain just suddenly kind of melts sometimes yeah. when yeah. I try and think of something specific. Um, in terms of any week, I could go a week without watching a film. Okay. But then one week I could watch six. It, really? like, uh, six for work. I would may then go and watch yeah. other films in my own spare time. Um, we, we, there is a team of us. It's obviously not, not just myself. Yeah. So we cover off as much as possible uh, of all the films that we need to see. You know, and, and we do need to see any film that we play. Um, yeah, we do course. need to see. But we, we do like um, to fight sometimes over which film we get to, we go see <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we kind of all we, we take it in terms of uh, swapping uh, you know uh, we all look after different film studios but um, from uh, a contact point of view but from each of us then have our own roles where we have contact with all, all of those yeah. all those people so um, yeah my week sometimes can look very busy with films <laughs> um, and especially around the time of festivals and stuff like that so when yes. the London Film Festival is on oh that's it I'm for two weeks I'm I'm not in the office. Mm -hmm. I, I will go and watch. I will watch as many films as I can during the London. So, will you or... attend different festivals in that kind of? Yeah, I, it's, to... normally speaking, someone from my company will be at at one of the festivals. Someone will be at Cannes. Someone will. Mm -hmm. We have a there's a big conference in Barcelona next week, uh, which um, will 
we'll be in attendance for. Uh, we don't make all of them because there's a lot of festivals. Of but course. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously our time is, is limited to what we can do. But um, yeah, for like the London Film Festival, for example. So uh, it is a lot. It is a lot sometimes. Yeah. 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 I can see that. I can see that. Just before we round off, was there talking about the number of films you do watch and have had to watch over the years and how you got into the film in the industry, but what keeps you interested now? What keeps you still wanting to be part of it after being involved in so long, watching so many films? A lot of people might think, oh, do you just kind of tire of, of watching things and does it become monotonous? What keeps you still passionate and engaged in the industry and, and watching films? Um, the industry is that it's always evolving yeah. and it's always different and there's something new always happening and, and you know, it's, um, and like I said, that could be, as we said, a bit of new technology. It could be that, um, you know, uh, um, a, an emerging market or something, something that, 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 look at how much South Asian film has gr grown over the years yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So it's become almost, you know, I, would, I wouldn't say quite say the word mainstream, but it's it's there now. It's an offering that we mm -hmm. that we have. When when I first started in industry, that was a novelty. That you know to have that one South Asian film play uh, for eight weeks, um, and then the next one came along, and you might not play it. You might play it. There's there's one there's three or four a week now. Yeah. You know, and that's an emerging. Market. So it's watching those emerging markets grow. They're watching how the industry changes. You can't. And the other thing is, you can't predict it. There's no way of predicting what's going to happen. Um, and just when you think you know everything. You don't, and and that's kind of all what always keeps me on my toes with the industry. And I just want to see, you know, technology, how that's going to evolve, what's what the future holds, um, uh, in general. But in terms of films, look, at this point, if a film can surprise me, I love it. Yeah, I, I love it. If I if I think if I had the rug pulled out of me for something, or you know, or I just didn't, I don't expect it. Mm -hmm that's a winner for me okay. um, yeah. and I just like to be surprised or have my expectations kind of turn on their head um, I will never get tired of film mm -hmm. ever because uh, as, as well like I say as well as being a passion of mine I just think that, that nothing beats that feeling um, of of watching Again, a good or a bad film, uh, and I think it's almost it's almost like a, a drug or something you get addicted to, yeah. um, and you become a bit obsessed by. So, um, I think I think it's a very exciting time in, in overall, you know, for for the film industry, and I, I can't wait to see what's next in general. Absolutely, and yeah, I fully I'm fully on board with that. And as, as you're saying, that notion of the kind of escapism of being in the screen and this is your environment, yeah. you're immersed by it. It's like you can't get anywhere else. So it's great to hear that yeah. you still have the passion for it and film yeah. continues and to it, drive on. And it kind of goes back to like a... It might even be that, that, that even if you don't think you're a massive film fan, you're connected to certain things that happen to you yeah. in films. There's, there's scenes from films. It doesn't have to be a good film. It's things like that. And I think that it's it's that kind of thing. I'd hate to... I'd hate to not have that anymore, not mm -hmm. not have that connection anymore. Um, like I said to you, that like, you know, when you first see the T Rex in Jurassic Park, or or the end of, I still maintain the scariest the scariest bit of any film for me is the end of the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> uh, and I, I, whenever I think of what truly scares me, that yeah. final scene in the Blair Witch Project, <laughs> that kind of thing, and I just think that I just want more moments like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, thank you very much for sharing all that. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been very intriguing and fascinating to hear about it all. Like, I was uh, very interested just to hear, have a little peek behind the curtain and learn about uh, the industry and what you get up to. So thank you for sharing. Thank, thank you, you for inviting me down here. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Well, there we have it. A whistle-stop tour of how a huge chain of cinemas like for you bring films to our screens. What a great insight to hear from Dean what goes into that process of them speaking to the production companies, going through the step-by-steps of the different edits and then view having their import and then also the research, all the data they build up over the years of when to show films, what locations, how many viewings, the timings and everything. I just found that unbelievably fascinating. And I hope you guys did as well. 
these conversations are amazing opportunities to get insights that I wouldn't normally be aware of. For someone who loves film, as I've said before and I'll say it over and over again, we only see such a small part of the process seeing the screening at the end but there's so many people involved in the industry that contribute to what we see at the end and what I love so much is speaking to Dean is that seeing that it is just film lovers and people are passionate about film and cinema making this happen and as I'm sure you'll be able to tell from this the industry is in good hands with people like Dean involved with it. He's such a genuine guy and that's something that, that keeps coming through when I listen to this conversation back and when I was there at the time it's something also I keep receiving when speaking to people in the industry. I mentioned in an earlier episode, if you've not already listened to it, my conversation with Damien Spanlier Curzon, it was a very similar vibe that I got from him. It was just genuine passion and love for film, which is why these guys keep staying in the industry, wanting to be involved, or excited by new releases. And that just puts a big smile to my face as somebody who operates in this industry but also is just a genuine film lover so that was very exciting and as i said made me smile a lot but there we have it a huge thank you to dean and view for inviting me to the shepherd's bush cinema for this conversation they were very welcoming and accommodating which was fantastic which made for this very relaxed informal conversation where we got loads of great insights and i just had a blooming good time being there as always i hope you loved it as well we have plenty more episodes like this coming your way I've been loving doing them, but it's been great to be gradually getting some feedback through from you guys saying how much you're enjoying these insights and this style of episode. Please let us know the type of people that you'd like us to speak to, are there any areas in the film and cinema world, type of roles that you'd like us to reach out to, because as much as I enjoy doing this, we're putting these episodes out there so you can get these insights as well. So please get onto our Instagram page at the Glass A Film Club let us know what you think of the episodes, but also who you'd like to hear from. And we'll do all we can to bring you those episodes in the future. And of course, our review episodes keep rolling out. Callum's never too far away. Me and him will keep our reviews coming. So keep your eye on the podcast feed, wherever you follow us. We're going to keep churning out the reviews of the latest films. We want to keep our finger on the pulse and make sure those big releases this summer we've got an opinion on, of course. We've always got something to say, but we've been really enjoying going back in time, looking at classic films, picking those apart, and as always, looking at the bigger themes and the the springboard that that film gives us for a bigger, wider conversation. But that's that. Another great episode, another great conversation. But until next time, that was the Glass A Film Club podcast. We'll see you all later.